Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. So, as always, I can't stress enough how much I enjoy talking to these authors, and today is definitely no exception with Travis Davis coming on the show. He discusses his book, Flames of Deception, the other books that he's having come out. In fact, he was, as we're talking, he was actually just finishing up or editing his second book and pl- planning for his, or at least thinking about what's going on with his third book and possibly fourth book. So you get a lot of information and get to know a lot of what to expect with Travis out of our discussion. He is an amazing person that I've enjoyed talking with. In fact, he has a podcast where he talks with other authors that I've been on. And I suggest if you like a lot of the guests that's been on this show as well, you'll find a handful of them on his podcast as well. So thank you for being here. As always, Go to authorblurb.com because there you will find the profiles for Travis. You'll find the show, the audio links. If you want to subscribe to the show at different places, because I do try to have this as many places as you can. So you can enjoy and find that author you love. And if you're not much in the listening and you like watching and don't take that the wrong way, you can go to YouTube rumble. We have videos playing and showing there as well so with everything said and done i appreciate you being here i hope you enjoy the show i hope you enjoy our conversation and if you do go out and buy travis's books go and buy any of the author's books and read me review me let me know how i'm doing because i always love hearing what you have to say so that is that other than anything that i'm saying enjoy the show and i'll talk to you next week so I'm here with Travis Davis. He's the author of the new book, Flame of Deceptions. And from what I understand, another one coming out. But instead of me going into, as normal, trying to discuss about you, Travis, and your book, mm-hmm. it's going to be much simpler and probably sound much better if you go through and describe yourself and your books for us. Sure. Hello, everybody. And thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. So Flame of Deception is about an accidental discovery from an imagery intelligence analyst at the National Geospatial Agency that is monitoring the Western Siberia oil fields that sees that the oil, the derricks and the flame uh, stacks are not firing up and the derricks aren't moving, the pump jacks aren't operational. And this discovery leads into a clandestine operation by Tex, Kim and Will into Russia from not just the oil wells, but the logistical flow of oil out of Russia, from the fields to the refining to the ports and everything, and trying to figure out what is going on. And basically the discovery is the best kept secret in the, you know, maybe history or at least the 21st century or the 20th century. So that's kind of when it started. Uh, So, and and it kind of bakes into it. And uh, at the same time this is going on, China wants to start, a launch a cyber attack against the United States uh, because we get all our green energy from them, the, the hardware, the software, everything, and they've been able to uh, use some code from the North Koreans to actually uh, pinpoint when and where they can kill the power. And that's what it's kind of about, and it's really the, the next energy war. All right. Well, it sounds like it's a big thriller kind of excitement mm-hmm. portion of it, and it almost sounds like, I don't know if you start writing it off of what's going on in the world now or if, because it does sound like a lot of what's currently going on. Right. 
So where did you start with the idea? Where did you come up with this? Well, I was actually sitting in a uh, quarterly business review, uh, and I had an idea. I go, man, I kind of see what's going on in the world. I go, well, what if this is, what if this could happen, right? What if this is the cause of what's going on? And so I, I called a buddy of mine who I've known for years. He was my platoon leader in the Army. And I, you know, I talked about it. He goes, man, Travis, that's a great premise. So I said, hmm. So I, that afternoon, I sat down and started writing the book. And that was uh, the first week of March of this year. And I remember you telling me when I was on your podcast mm-hmm. that you wrote it in, what, six weeks, you said? Six or? weeks. Six weeks Yeah, that, that's just crazy. So I my think wife you're says. The only, <laughs> <laughs> I think every wife says their husband's yeah. Yeah. Trust me, my <laughs> wife says that and then some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, uh-huh. what made you sit to write it in that quick of a time or what got you to write it that quickly? Because... Again, that's a crazy amount of time to write. I've talked to people. I've spoken with authors. Authors, I guess I should yeah. learn to speak right. Authors. <laughs> yeah. And most of them will spend months, year, years, things like that. You spend weeks. Yeah. So uh, the how, thoughts were coming to me. I had a free flow of thought, and when I have these thoughts and the, and the, the way that I way to write, I can visualize it, and I just put it down. Right. And then I go back and, you know, check everything and, you know, do it, do it all we do. And, you know, writing the book is probably the easy part. So that's where you know, I just had that free flow of thought and I just carried out to the conclusion. All right. So with that being said, did you you were in the military? Did you bring mm-hmm. any of your background from the military into the book? Uh, not really. I was a reconnaissance specialist and a cap scout in the Army. So we didn't really do anything that I uh, have in the book. And all the things that I come up with in the book and all this stuff is just, you know, my imagination or futurist type thinking. And when I talk to people about the book, I was on an airplane coming back from Atlanta in August and I was typing away on my new book and the lady sitting next to me, you know, we start talking and she goes, what are you doing? Oh, you know, I said, well, you know, published my first book and everything. And she goes, what's that about? And I told her, she looked at me, she goes, is that real? (laughs) Right. And I was at a book signing a couple of weeks ago and told somebody about the book. And they said the same thing. Is that real? I, mean, I tried to, I had to preface it. So, okay, this is a fiction book, but a lot of what, uh, you know, has occurred since I have written it is kind of, kind of playing Happening. out, which is interesting. Yeah. Right. Which I remember you saying as well on, I think another interview you did. Mm-hmm. So, and with that, I mean, what, what kind of, made you figure out for your character well let me ask this uh-huh. so one thing i like to ask as well is on page one when the author when the readers open the book what are they stepping into what's the first opening scene or something like that they are stepping into the initial uh discovery of why the pump jacks aren't working but what's the discovery, a pump jack? the pump jack of a well the, the, the well and the flare okay. of the well and it's actually in the year 1991 or 2001, 2001 okay. is when, is this when this uh, is identified initially, but it's been kept so secret. It, it, it dives right into it. All right. And is yours, you know, forgive me. I can't remember. Is it based around a single, single character mm-hmm. or a team? It is, it was individuals that became a team. All right. And, they they work very well together, so I actually they're, they're, the team is called Texarkana. And the reason is because Tex is not from Texas. 
He's from Arkansas. Okay. Uh, but he's, he was given a name when he worked in the oil fields. Kim is not from Texas, but she marries Will, or the boyfriends in, in the book, and he's from Texas. So they could, you know, and this other person likes the Cowboys. So they said, oh, we'll just call it Texarkana. <laughs> Uh, you don't have to offend anybody. So that's that's the reason why. But it was actually three characters initially, and then I introduced a, the last one at the end, uh, which is a pretty cool. Of her her abilities are monumental. All right. So to find out who the additional character is, you actually have to read the book and get to the oh, end. Yeah. Uh, yes. So which I assume is going to be leading into the next book as well. So with that being said, mm-hmm. when you're writing this do you actually sit and try to figure out what the characters are or do you know them or how do you kind of plot plan that out or work that out all right so i don't write an outline and remember you told me what that that's called the pantser so that's why right. I, I don't write an outline uh and i know that the three or four characters from the previous book i know what they who they are and then mm-hmm. i introduce other people and, and then I, I kind of work out who they are over time and because i have a, i have an idea of what i want them to be Right. And then I just work their character, refine it throughout the book. Uh, and that's, that's kind of how it comes about. All right. And so I'm trying to understand where, so it's the energy crisis. It's mm-hmm. focused in Texas. Does it go anywhere else? Because uh, you said China oh, it, it, involved. The, the book is actually, it takes place in Northern Virginia. Okay. It takes place in Russia and China. All right. And, uh, India is involved also because they've got bamboozled into helping the Russian, uh, Chinese, and uh, the, the Russian, Russian, Chinese, Indians. Because one of their goals, too, because it's, because Russia and China knows what's going on, India really doesn't. Okay. But because China needs so much, or uh, India needs so much oil that they've, you know, kind of bamboozled into this agreement. Because what the, one of the goals of, the, of them is also to you know, choke points of all the free flow oil on the seas, straight to Hormuz, the Malaysian Strait, right? There's some places where if you cut that flow off, you can do it. And uh, India has a Navy, you know, China has a Navy, and Russia does more of a ground campaign. But it's really, it's, it's, it's a diversion. All right. So, and now I've spoken with another author who I assume that when he talked about other countries being involved, he their characters were going to those countries and he said that wasn't the case. So instead of assuming, do your book act, does your book actually lead your characters into those regions, into those countries? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That you could, if you wanted to, you could take a map out and follow the entire journey of the team on a map because every place in there is real. All From right. the street to the highways to the airports to the hotels, everything is real. Because I want to be able to take the readers on a journey that, you know, one day, I mean, I wouldn't recommend going to Russia. But <laughs> if, you know, the future, if you wanted to, you could retrace their steps. The, there's a place uh, close to where you live, Eavesdrop Brewery, that Down is in, Manassas, in the book. You said. In yeah. It's in the book. Uh, because I want to make it where people can relate to it. Even though it's fiction, it's got to have something in there, the credibility in there of what people can do or go and see. Oh, I understand. Kind of like my first, my series that I did was based in around my hometown where I used the cities and things like that as examples, but different businesses and different situations were obviously fictional. And maybe that's why people are, you did such a good job at describing the locations. People's asking if it's real. Right. (laughs) Have you actually been to any of these locations that you discuss other than... 
the bar in Manassas? Uh, I've been to the bar in Manassas. I've been to, you know, Virginia. Right. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in Europe. So a lot, spent a lot of time in Europe. Okay. Yeah. So you have a familiar, we'll mm-hmm. leave it at that then. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what actually made you decide those countries instead of, like, um, a lot of the oil issues tend to be more Middle East, things like that that I found that people, when they talk about oil wars and oil scams or whatever, it's taking place in the Middle East. Russia's kind of, Russia and China, like you said, is cyber attacks. So what made you decide to go that route, those countries? I think all those stories have been written. Okay. Everybody's written about Saudi Arabia. Or, you know, uh, I, I love the true stories of Afghanistan, Iraq, from soldiers. You know, I love that stuff. But from official perspective, I think a lot of that's been, you know, been hashed over numerous times and nothing's really original. Um, so I, I do, so I, you know, Russia is probably one of the world's largest oil exporters. And we actually, you know, get oil from them, I think, I think right now still. And who is, who benefits from their oil is China and India. So if it ran out, who would benefit, you know, who'd benefit least? You know, right. Who's it going to affect most? So that's how you kind of get a little, uh, an alliance together that when you look at the history of Russia and China and India, Russia and China fought the Sino War back in, uh, I don't know, 60s or something, right? 50s or 60s. So they were at war because China believed that Russia didn't have the true, that different have true communism. So Mao versus Stalinism, right? Right. And then you look at India. India and China are still having uh, confrontations in the Himalayas for disputed area of Kashmir. Mm-hmm. Take that out of it. Now these, these all three become friends for an alliance. Right, that when you right. look at it, is more powerful than NATO. All right, and I know China and India, they have their issues with each other too, because but they put them aside in the book. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, I just know that because my wife originally from China has told me that several times, and we've known people from that mid region, so that there's like the conflict there. So yeah. it's interesting that you're taking three of the countries that tend to have conflict between each other and forcing them to work together to achieve something, which oddly enough, China and Russia kind of are starting to work together now, it seems, at least at the time we're talking. What what was your prediction in your book, I guess, or if you don't want to tell it, was the outcome of the the agreement of them working together? Did it was it bringing a war? Was it bringing espionage? What was it going towards? It elevated, uh, you know, the threat con level to the highest uh, extent. All right. And for those that know nothing about military or security or anything like that, because to be honest with you, the last time I heard anything about the threat level and things like mm-hmm. that was back after 9-11, which, surprisingly enough, there's plenty of right. adults now that's never even been alive or remembers that event. It's just a level of preparedness for the military, basically. All right. Right. You know, Alpha Bravo or whatever. So the different level of, of uh, you know, are the you know soldiers at home, they're chilling out or whatever, or are they in garrison or have to deploy to Ford, uh, you know, Ford areas of operations or, you know, what are the, what are the contingency plans? So it builds them up to where, and it's kind of crazy because in the book, the military wants to go through a green energy trans, uh, you know, transli- you know, trans, transforming, right? They want to transform to green, ener- green energy, but okay. they get caught with they get caught with their pants down, right? Because all the all the, everything comes from China. 
So oh, that's yeah. why one reason why you know they stopped the productions of the F-35s, I think, because of uh, stuff that was from China. Even though I love Chinese, the Chinese inhabitant folks were great. Right. Uh, I just kind of pick on the government a little bit. Well, <laughs> nothing wrong there. So. Well, you know. If you you can't pick on somebody, then what are you going to do? Exactly. (laughs) So, all right. So with that, what you already said, you're about finishing up your second book as well. Mm -hmm. So what are we expecting out of that? Where where are we going with that? Is it the same extenuation of what started in Flames of Deception? Or is it going to be a completely different situation? Completely different situation. Uh, it takes place in Lake Como in uh, Italy. All right. Uh, again, the northern Virginia uh, area and the Gobi Desert in Inner Mongolia. <laughs> well, those are some desolate places. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's almost like two. Uh, it, it, the book is it, it, when I when I I'm almost done. I mean, I'm like 99% done. I'm all the writing's done. I'm just going back through and, and reading it, and make sure it all makes sense. Um, but even when I read, I'm like, dang, you know, this is it's pretty. It's I don't I don't try to write too complex, but I want to give the reader something to be able to to to, to chew on for a bit. And I go, okay, let me think about that because I introduce technology in the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done you know cybersecurity uh, in my professional life, so I try to inter- introduce that. This one has more of an army, a military uh, play in it, uh, but it does have the same characters, but it does introduce a couple more. And it actually has, uh, you know, a couple villains in it. All right. So, are the villains actually like countries, countries and governments, or is it actual people. like Doctor No and all these other people? It's, it's, it's people. Okay. Yeah. So, what drove you? Or I guess, like for me, one thing I love when I write my villains is I personally like to find people that I just don't like. <laughs> pretty good. And I, I write them, but I changed the name. How did you end up coming up with your villains? Uh, you know, where do I want to? First, I find a location, and then what, what kind of person needs to go in that location? Even though it, a lot of it takes place in Lake Como, the the one of the villains is German. All right. And my wife's German, but not, she's not the villain. So. Uh, <laughs> well, that's a, a good thing. Yeah. So th- that, and I just kind of, and I I've lived there, so I kind of, oh, I know where to go. So I, I kind of make things up about where they were, why, where they grew up, why did he grow up, why is he like he is, and I right. kind of put the backstory of this one. And there's some other, mainly a lot of rogue people that just enchanted with their governments from the failures that happened in Flames of Deception. Okay, so there is a tie in there. Yes. So now I guess here's one question: is is in a series I found that. It goes one of two ways of you have to read book one to understand book two and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. And then there's books that you can just pick up and whatever novel book you start reading, you can read that book as a standalone. Are yours going to be you have to read Flame of Deceptions to understand everything in the second, third and so on? Or can you just pick up any of them and start reading? You can pick up any of them because I, I put enough about them, you know, how, how the, the, whatever the creation or however they were formed in the book. So you, after, you know, you read the second one, you go, not while I really want to find out what happened, you know, because everybody kind of turned rogue, what happened to Flames of Deception? So you don't have to read Flames of Deception first before you read this one because I put enough of the backstory in it, which 
is complicated when you write a book because you you can't put everything mm-hmm. from the first one in there or that becomes the first one. Right. You have to put enough to give them a frame of reference that they that they don't have to put the thing down. Okay, now now we gotta buy this one sort of thing. Okay, understand. So I guess the question is is where do you plan on taking the series or are you planning on, do you have a set number of books that people can expect out of you or do you just want to let it run and maybe write just that series alone or what, what are you trying to do with your writing? So uh, I do have another one planned after this. Uh, it's going to be almost like a continuation of this, this book, but, and then I have another one. I'm going to branch somebody off that I introduce in this book, in the new book. Okay. I'm going to branch her, I'm going to branch her off. And I have to say, you know, the female characters in my book are tough. <laughs> they they are empowered. I mean, they're they're pretty tough. They're but and they're smart, intelligence, and uh, so I, I try to you know put that in there. So yeah, I, I don't have a set number, but at the end of this book, I kind of set up the next one because you're you're like, oh, okay, now I got to get the other book because uh, this is a cliffhanger or whatever. Okay. And you said another one's a spinoff from one of the characters off the second book. So yeah. once you write the third book, are you going to start writing the spinoff or are you going to try to work on multiple books? Because I said multiple books up, I, I think before we started recording, yeah. I even said, I'm trying to do two books right now and it's going to drive me a little nuts. So I might have to put one on the back burner, but what are you planning on doing there? You know, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know for sure. I believe I will write, start writing the third. And then while I'm writing the third, I will start the, the spinoff because she is going to be in the third book. All right. And I'm going to play on getting her out of there. All right. So are you going to be tying her into, so she's in the third. So I guess my question is, is this spinoff, is she going to be spinning off after the third book or after the second book? Oh, probably uh, during the third. Okay, so she'll split off somewhere in the third book, and then that's where her story picks up on the... All right, which makes sense. So what about the characters are actually... You said you have tough women. I assume the guys are tough as well. If yep, they're yep. Oil, oil guys, I've met some oil guys in my life, and they're just... Yeah. Let's just say they're not going to be pushed over by a breeze or... Well, they're, yeah, one of the... Tex is a... Is a he was a... Did oil work in the uh, Permian Basin up in West Texas as a kid. He joined the Army, mm-hmm. spent 20 years in the military. And then Will is a geospatial imagery intelligence analyst, and he spent some time in the Army and worked with special forces and such. And then Kim, who is also geospatial, but she's fluent in Chinese and Russian. And she was in the military, and she also had a and, – and then Jenny had a stint in the CIA and – Tex has a step in the CIA, so there's all these uh, skills that come together that play on one another, and I and I, I try to interject humor in the book, right? Because I want you know it can't be all like Err. you know you got right. a little fun and human human uh, the humanism of it, I guess. All right, so you said you include humor in it, mm-hmm. which is always good because you don't want to be an uptight or just right. gun ho and completely serious. What kind of humor are you uh, putting in there? So. Like me personally, when I write my sarcasm and as my wife, uh, I won't say the word that she usually says, but <laughs> let's just say it starts with the letter A and <laughs> that kind of humor is what I put in because I understand it and I feel it usually in my conversation. What are you putting in? Uh, Will is Will is 
he says some silly things, right? He just he's silly, but right. he's highly intelligent. He's very uh, he's aware of what's going on. People just don't realize that he's actually big, soaking all this up. And him and Kim get along. And Tex has a great sense of humor. Uh, you know, in, in the book, one scene is they've got to get a chip injected in their arm, and you know, you know Will and Tex are like, oh, you know, they're scared. And Kim goes, you know, here, right? And she, psh, nothing. And then right. Will says, okay, give it to me. And Wright says, give it to me. Go, psh, goes, ouch, dang, that hurt. And she looks over. She calls him Nancy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then Tex is about to get his. He looks over and says, don't say it. Boom, ouch. <laughs> and he goes, okay. He goes, she goes, Nancy. So I kind of, <laughs> you know, of what I would say or do in a situation like Right. That. Friendly banter then. Yeah, exactly. exactly. All right. Makes sense. So are you actually basing these characters off of people you've known or where, because you obviously said you go off of location and uh, events for your villains. Where did you come up with for the main characters? Where did they stem from? I think they're an amalgamation of uh, family members uh, and folks that I know and put them, uh, put them all together and uh, make it where they are, are realistic and they come from real places. All right. And now one thing I've come to realize, and I've always said this is every author puts a bit of themselves in every book they write. So for you, did you actually focus like a character with your kind of personality, your background, or did you just put yourself in the entire writing of it? If that makes sense. Uh, I would say a little bit of me in text. All right. Yeah. So when people read texts, they're getting a little bit of a feel of you then? Yeah, probably. Yeah, a little bit maybe. Some of the, some of it. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of an, they're an amalgamation of my imagination. And so I'm, I was writing, you know, the book, my new book, and I'm telling you my wife about it. You know, we're sitting outside Friday night, you know, having a glass of, or Sunday night, having a glass of wine, you know, beautiful weather in Texas. Right. And she looks at me and she goes, where do you come up with this stuff? I'm like, I got a good imagination. <laughs> well that's always a good answer so yeah because <laughs> i have no idea all right so did your what has your wife even read these books i'm imagining so from how you talk no 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 all well right. have you ever seen the movie the movie funny farm funny farm with uh chevy chase oh yeah years and so years remember ago, he was yeah. writing a book and they go out for their wedding anniversary and she hands he hands her his manuscript and he goes out and gets some wine and cheese because it's random. He comes back and she is crying. But it's actually supposed to be a comedy. So he gets so mad he just throws it in the, in the fire. So every time I say, hey, read my manuscript, she, got, she has to think back to that scene and she starts laughing. So she says, yeah, as soon as I finish the book I'm on, I'll, 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 you know, I'll read yours. So <laughs> I tell her about, you know, what's happening in it. So, yeah. I understand. I know my wife, She the most she's read is she's open pages here and there. Yeah. And usually she'll sit there and go either that's funny as hell yeah. or she'll go, where did that come from? <laughs> so now do you take any real events and put into the story? There are no real events in any of my books that I know of. I think some have happened since I've published the book. All right. I haven't. I don't think you so. haven't written an intentional event then? No, just. Happenstance. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always good. I, I tell people, you want to know what's going on, if you want to be ahead of the news, read Flames of Deception. Oh, well, there you go. So, and it sounds like you have an understanding of what 
kind of things are going to be happening as well. So it does seem like it's going to fit very closely with that. So where are you building? I guess you have a website that you put everything on. Are you planning on building a long-term series, a lot of books, or is this something that you're just trying to do to fill time and entertain yourself? Where are you going with your writing in the sense of, are you really going to be somebody that is planning to be around for a while and from what you sound like it does? Yeah. So I plan on putting out, you know, two books a year and really building the brand of team Texarkana and, and really pulling that forward. I don't have a limit on the number of uh, books I'm going to write about them. Uh, and then I, I, I know, I, I, you know, Tom Clancy and Clyde Plessler and all or Dan Brown, fantastic writers. Right. I think my Books are amalgamation of those three types of writing. All right. So with that, it sounds like the brand that you're building is going to be staying within that region. Now, to me, when I hear your books, I'm thinking thrillers. I'm thinking there's military thrillers and different genres like that. Where do you personally think your books fall into? Uh, military espionage, espionage, uh, government espionage, uh, intelligence stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's thriller. I think there's some thrillers in there because it does kind of go in and I, and I, and I set it up, uh, you know, the book to kind of just, you know, flow and then, you know, have, have an ending. All right. So with that said, where, I guess, I'm trying to think of the best way to ask mm-hmm. the question I'm thinking about because it can be taken one or separate ways, but what do you actually plan? You said you're building that brand up. Mm-hmm. Is it going to, in two books a year that's a heck of a thing to do for most authors so is it do you have like um plans of keeping going traditionally you said you're currently looking at debating if you're going with somebody else yeah. your your first book was published traditionally mm-hmm. are you looking at doing that or how are you looking at keeping continuously growing as the author yeah i think i'm going to continue with the traditional publishing i don't have enough cycles or enough knowledge of self-publishing, so I don't know what's good or bad. Everybody you talk to is an expert, and guarantee you, there aren't <laughs> that many experts in the world. Uh, oh, yeah. So that, I, I, so I, I'd rather, I, my Defiance Press is, is who I went with, Press and Publishing. They're a great, I mean, I drove, they're down in, by the Houston area in Conroe, and I was in Houston, and before I, you know, when I started talking before I signed the contracts and everything, I said, you know, I'm going to go out, I'm going to meet these people. I mean, I'm going to get eyes, you know. So right. I go up and I'm driving back. I stopped in and, and, and beautiful office. I met the president of the company. Great. Dave's a great guy. Uh, and I really like like the team. I said, well, you know what? Okay, I'll do it. And I do like them. Uh, but I think I'd probably continue with the that publishing. It allows me to focus on other things. Because you know as well as I do, you know, if you looked at a pie, you divide a pie in three places, in three pieces, that one-third is writing, right? And mm-hmm. almost the other two-thirds is marketing the book. Oh yeah, that's the hardest thing you've got. And how do you surface or raise that book to a point of people wanting to buy it? Because you know times are tough. People are putting out money now that you know a couple of years ago they fork it out in a heartbeat. Now it's like, uh, you know, so how and, do you do that? And you have all the authors that are all with self-publishing. Like my books are self-published, and like I think I even told you, I'm looking at. Yeah. The next book I put out to put out traditionally just because, yeah, self-publishing, I it's hard to find time to do all the things 
And like me, I work a full-time job, family, all this stuff, just to do marketing, to do all the social media. How many arms do you have? You only have two arms though, right? I mean, (laughs) well, again, depends on if you ask my wife, because (laughs) I'm like, uh, you know, I watch TV and I'm like, you know, these, all these people who TV shows are writing books and go, oh, they got number one books. Well, if I had a TV show, I'd have a number one book. <laughs> well, so yeah. It's, it's you got to be able to get that exposure, which is tough. Right. And hint the reason for this podcast is also to try to get more authors out so readers can find those authors mm-hmm. and connect with them, find out if they want to read their books. And yes. I've, Luckily, I've had great feedback that some readers are finding authors that they love and just adore after they've heard the show. So that's always positive thing there. So with that, I'm not going to take up overly too much of your time. Okay. So one thing is, is I want people to know that your information is at authorblurb.com. We have everything there that you've given me. You have a, your website. You have links to where they can find your books. And then you also have a podcast that discusses different topics with different authors. I had you on it. I was going to (laughs) say you've had me on it. You've had several guests that's been on author blurb before on there. In fact, my very first guest, Scott Graham, who I think was the last one by the time we're talking, he was my first guest. And then you also had Amber Boudreaux on there. Yes. And then she likes dragons. She likes dragons. Yes. And werewolves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, which is real nice. In fact, I just interviewed her for her new book coming out again. So, okay, great. She's actually been the first two time author on my show. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, I mean, so we kind of cross mingle there. So, people that's enjoyed the guests that I've had can go to your show and hear a lot of the guests. There yeah. and some others that obviously I don't have. Yeah. So with that being said, I know that everybody can find all that information on you on your website. They can find your book, Flames of Deception, Flames of Deception, which is a beautiful cover. Well, thank you. So thank you where much. do you prefer people to find you other than authorblurb.com, other than the show notes? Where's the best place to reach out and talk to you? So you can reach me on my website at Random Thoughts. Dot LLC. You can hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, Travis W. Davis one, number one. Uh, you can go on Facebook and Twitter and I am uh, real TW Davis on both of them and Instagram. I'm not for sure. Uh, but I think that is, I think that's it. Right. And your website, where did the real thoughts, that website name come into play? Because, because every, people- every thought I have is random. <laughs> So Random Thoughts is the company that you're building for your podcast. You're marketing your book through there as well. And you also put in Random Thoughts that you had, correct? Right. It's just randomthoughts.llc. All right. Perfect. So people can definitely get to know you quite well there. Find your show, find your books, and then reach out to you. So again, I appreciate you being on the show. It's been fun to talk with you. I'm a soft guy. I'm going to stop the conversation for everybody else, but you and I are going to talk a little bit more. We're going to see each other on the 22nd of October, hopefully, at uh, everybody in Northern Virginia. Please visit us at Eavesdrop Brewery on Centerville Road from 12 to 5 on the 22nd of October. Down in Manassas, Virginia. Down in Manassas, Virginia, yes. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you.
That is the end of the show, the end of the conversation, but not the end of all the authors. Come back next week, and we will have another author, somebody for you to find, love, and enjoy. And hopefully, you're sharing these authors, sharing the show, sharing the website, authorblurb.com, with people you know, because every reader deserves to find that author they love. So again, goodbye from authorblurb.com where authors and readers connect. And remember, we appreciate you being here and look forward to seeing you at the next episode.